we're going to do our Advent wreath right now. And so the shears are going to come up and lead us in that. So give them, give, please give them your attention. Nice and loudly for us. Good. Thank you so much. So we will be doing this every week uh, as we light the next candles and follow along. We'll light the middle one on Christmas Eve. Now we, uh, with our um, kids' own uh, philosophy, we want to make sure that we're helping our families as much as possible. And so we have a little bit more to cover today. So. Okay, so this is a tool for you, 
There you go. <laughs> Thanks for hang, hanging with us, guys. And that um, little avid devotional, that's for couples or adults or whoever. Uh, we'll have it here. Yeah. Uh, and I've, I've actually read through the whole thing. It is, it is very well done. Uh, and kind of get your heart ready for the coming king on Christmas. So if you want to look at it later, you can do that as well. well. And the reason why we wanted to emphasize these things is because we're starting kind of a, probably the most unique Christmas series we've ever done. And I will uh, get to that in just a second because I have a couple announcements. One is last week we had our our kingdom offering uh, that we, we did, and we're, we're going to have... Um, it was focused on some resources for our students, and then our two missionaries, one regionally living in Liberty, and then our uh, Rwandan missionary who's uh, trying to get uh, a, an entire library shipped to Rwanda. <laughs> and so um, uh, we, we raised, thank you very much, $3,000. Uh, for that, yeah. And so we'll be able to get all the books we wanted to for the students, and then we will send. Um, uh, he, he's been really emphasizing in his emails uh, about the need for the shipping cost for all these books. They, they went from like $70,000 of shipping, just shipping, uh, to now it's down to about 5000 And so we'll, we'll send them uh, 1250 toward that, take a good bite out of it. And then um, the other one will be, again, Living in Liberty. I don't know how we're going to send that. I don't know if there's a special project for that. We support them monthly, but we'll, I'll ask them, is, you know, do you just need that? Either I don't think it matters to a whole lot, but is there a special project? I know they're working on trying to get uh, some special housing uh, for women when they come out of that uh, this, the sex trafficking trade, that they have a place, safe place for them to be. So maybe they'll apply it to that, but I'll check with them. The other announcement is just to be praying for uh, Trent, Pastor Trent and Pastor Steve and I as we're continuing to working on 2024 messages. Uh, we, we I, it, it wasn't tense or anything or, or, or aggressive or anything. It's just, it didn't quite come together uh, this past week. Normally we get, we, we kind of, now it's, I don't want to go through the whole process, but just be praying for us, praying for wisdom. So, all right, let's, we're going to be looking at a couple different passages, one Old Testament, one New Testament, one today. But um, I want to tell you some bad news. You're all on the naughty list, and me too. And that's what makes this a bit of a unique message, uh, because we're going to deal with a doctrine of sin and our sin nature and how we all have that. The world loves it when we talk about uh, God's love and, and, and uh, they kind of cherry pick a lot of different verses about Jesus. But the bottom line is God, yes, is a God of love, of course, but there's also a coming wrath. That's why we have to be mindful of the return of Jesus. I mean, if we knew Let's say we knew it was going to be Wednesday, even though no one knows the day and the hour. Just imagine if for me that we know it's Wednesday. That's going to change how we're going to act. Well, Jesus said we should act that way every day. We should be prepared and ready because of our very sin nature. Uh, and it's more than just things that are right and wrong or a rule is being broken. 
The reason why sin is so bad is because it's not just the breaking of a rule, but it is actually against the very character of God. That's what makes it so bad. Uh, there are actually things that God hates. There are things that God dislikes, detests. And, but, but the world and sometimes us, we don't like to hear that. We want it to be all flowery and nice and to feel good. Uh, and yet God has a warning for us. We have to really understand, to understand his love, to understand his grace. We, have to, we get an idea of seeing how loving and how gracious he really is. So we'll look at that, what God says about himself in this series and his relationship to love and hate. Now, if you're thinking, oh, great. So every Sunday we're going to hear about, for Christmas, hitting up to Christmas, we're going to hear how bad we are. Well, that sounds just joyful and triumphant. My commitment to you is that we won't leave us there. Yes, we're going to talk about some of the bad news. Uh, we'll do a little bit with that today. We'll be in Proverbs uh, chapter 6 for a couple weeks uh, regarding things that God hates, just to get an idea for those. But uh, we'll, we'll make sure that we end that, of the great hope that we have. When we understand God's hatred for sin, we get a better appreciate his love for the sinner. Because as we just sang, he is a holy holy, holy God. And, and you know, there's actually, I was challenged this past month with an expression that I've heard for years. God hates the sin, but loves the sinner. Has anyone ever heard that? Ever heard that? You know what? I was surprised to see that there are people, yes, God hates sin, by the way, but you know what? There are some people God hates. It's in the scriptures. It's not in every book or every chapter, but they are there. Um, for us and ourselves, we have to understand how serious our sin is. There's a, a, a Christian rock group called Skillet. And we're not going to play it today, uh, nor will we even play it, but it, they have a song called I Feel Like a Monster. And it goes like this. I'll just read you some of the lyrics. The secret side of me I will never let you see. I keep it caged, but I can't control it. So stay away from me. The beast is ugly. I feel the rage. I can't hold it. Just imagine. It's scratching on the walls, in the closet, in the halls. It comes awake. I can't control it. Hiding under the bed, in my body, in my head. Why won't somebody come and save me from this? Make it end. I feel it deep within. It's just beneath the skin. I must confess, I feel like a monster. I hate what I've become. The nightmare's just begun. I must confess that I feel like a monster. It's hiding in the dark. Its teeth are razor sharp. There's no escape for me. It wants my soul. It wants my heart. No one can hear me scream. Maybe it's just a dream. Maybe it's inside of me. Stop the monster. Very, it's a very good description of our sin and our doctrine of our sin. Um, what does it mean? What is it? The, the, the Latin word is harmatology. It means a study of sin. I'm going to give you some verses that you could look up later on. Um, first thing to remember is that sin is universal. Everybody has it. 
There's, yes, some people do more sinful things than others, but in our core, in our nature, without Christ, we have a sin problem, and it leads to death. You could look at Psalm 143, 2, uh, Romans 3, 10 through 12, actually just Romans 3. <laughs> uh, we'll describe all of that. Sin is harmful. The way you hear a lot of people talk about it today is, it's my right. You can't tell me what to do. Doggone it, I'm going to do whatever I want to. God calls it sin. It, is, it, is, it brings pain to people's life. Or this one, and I've used this excuse, well, it's just the way I am. So our bad behaviors and our hurtful things that we say and do, well, it's just the way I am. Yes, it is the way you am, but you are, but it's sin. It's sinful. It's also not private. Now, we might keep it a secret, but, the, but a couple times Paul in his letters, Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 5, he uses the example of leaven, yeast. This is a little leaven makes the whole dough. Just, you just need a little bit and it's going to affect the entire dough. He's talking in both of those passages about sin. One is specific sin, but sin itself. It is in our nature. Ephesians 2.3 says, we are children of wrath. That's what we're born with. Uh, I'll read to you just from Romans 5. Therefore, just as sin came in the world through one man and death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sin. No, no, no one could look down their nose at anybody else. Yes, of course, there are some sins that are harsher, that have deeper consequences. But before a holy, holy, holy God... We all have sin. I don't care how good you think you are. And we got that sin just by being born into the human race. Verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law, yet death reigned from Adam to Moses. Another word you might hear, uh, especially among Calvinistic circles, is that we are depraved, which means we can't rehabilitate ourselves. We might, pe people without the Lord, they might get out of addictions. They might uh, change their life, change their lifestyle. But if they don't know the Lord, they still have that depraved nature. We have shame. We have degradation. We have pollution. One theologian, uh, Thiessen, said this. I, I like this expression, how it describes it. He says, we all have something to hide. We all have sin. It, it gives us disease and death. If we, years ago, we talked about this, of why things are bad. This is why. It all goes back that we, we are in a fallen world. It, there is my sin, your sin, and it all causes pain. It, all that is wrong, all that is wrong in the world is because of sin. And, and folks, it's in us, and it's in our children. Think about about things you had to teach your kids and things you didn't have to teach them. We never had to sit our children down and say, hey, you know what? You need to be more arrogant. Hey, we need to work on our selfishness today. Can we work on being more selfish? How about angry? Can we be more angry and violent? Is, can we do that? We never had to do that. They're born with it. Even a little baby, we could see that in them. Uh, we don't have to teach them that. Um, 
In fact, when you take kids or adults even out of an area of control, they become savages uh, because there's no one, there's no one around to, to help them. And I know it's like, it, it, you don't like that. I mean, we just had the weekend with our little, little guy, Cade. He's just the sweetest little guy. He's a sinner. He's got a sin nature even though normally he's very sweet, just as long as he's not tired or hungry. And we don't like hearing this, like, yeah, but it's my kids. I love them. Yes, we do. But folks, here's, here's just the, the facts of it. You're a sinner, and your spouse is a sinner, and you, and you have a child who's also a sinner. Now, how's that going to work out? You could be the best Parent. You could be the best grandparent, but there's still going to be sin problems in that house. That's just the reality, the reality of it all. Um, I don't want us to think just live out in this bummed out state, but we should be realistic about it. What does it mean that everyone is a sinner? How do we deal with it? Let me give you an example. Uh, it was a couple years ago, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania started a new system for collecting tolls over our toll roads. Because, you know, it used to be someone at the booth. You had to pay or you had to have the little gizmo. Well, they said, let's just take pictures of people, a license plate, and we'll send them a bill. Because people are basically good. And they'll, they'll pay that bill, Right? There are t- people that owe tens and thousands of dollars in tolls. Why? Why don't they pay them? Because they don't really have to. They're basically sinful. And that's just an example. And so why there might be controls around. Imagine if, if we just said, you know, let's just eliminate traffic laws. And everyone being a nice person, they'll drive nicely, Right? No, they don't. We'll revert back to that. So how does God feel about sin? Let's look at have God uh, himself, uh, re- look at a few verses. First of all, let's get it established that when it comes to God hating things and hating sin, 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So it's not one or the other. And I know sometimes theologically we tend to focus on, on one thing. God is love, and that's all we ever think about. And then there are other people who kind of like wrath. <laughs> they kind of like God, you know, you know, enforcing the rules. Either extreme is not biblical. They're both true. He, is, he, he hates things, but also he loves things. Uh, I mentioned a Proverbs chapter 6 passage, and um, starting next week we're going to look at this in more detail. But listen to the things that God hates. They're all sinful. There are six things that God, the Lord, hates. Seven that are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and the one who sows discord among brothers. So this word hate in Hebrew, it's sanah, 
And it, it means that, to hate. It's an emotional attitude or an opposition or being things that you detest, despise, that no one wants contact with. It is, in fact, the opposite of love, the same for us. Hate separates and keeps distance. God wants to be separated from those. There are things that he, he hates in other passages. Uh, he hated, at one point, Israel's feast days. You think, well, wait a minute. Didn't God command Israel to make feast days? Yes, he did. He had seven feasts that God created. Passover would be one of them, for example. Well, why does God hate something that he commanded them to do? Because it became a mockery. And so in Amos 5.17, or Zechariah 8.17, or Isaiah 1, God says, I hate those things now because of what you've done to them. Uh, God hates idols, Deuteronomy 16.22. And I mentioned earlier, he, he, he hates certain people. Let me give you an example. Um, Paul quotes this in Romans 9, Malachi 1.3, but Esau I have hated. Same word. I have hated. Uh, that's from Genesis 27. Psalm 5, very powerful. I believe this is a Psalm of David. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. You hate all evildoers. Again, Psalm 5, 5, and 6. You destroy those who speak lies. The Lord abhors the bloodthirsty and deceitful man. How about Psalm 11, 5 and 6? The Lord tests the righteous, but his soul hates the wicked and the one who loves violence. Let him rain coals on the wicked. Fire and sulfur and scorching wind shall be the portion of their cup. Psalm 11, 5 and 6. And then it's, it's not just them, it's their behavior that God brings upon them. Uh, one more New Testament side, Revelation 2, 2 verse 6. Jesus writing letters to the churches. He said, yet this you have, you hate the works of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. God hates worthless work. Psalm 101.3, I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. It should not cling to me. He hates false ways. Psalm 119.163, I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your law. So what? So here's all this negative stuff. On one hand, in the days before the flood, God was building an ark. But one day, the ark was closed. Same for us. We live what's called an age of grace right now, in the, or the time of the church, where we're waiting for Jesus' return. And one day he will. And things will be radically different. Let me show you one other passage today where we'll camp on a little bit more. I know I kind of gave you a fire hose explanation of sin. But let's turn to John chapter 3, verse 17. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. I'll read the whole thing and then we'll go back, all right? God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe is condemned already. See both sides of it? Because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does not 
does wicked things, hates the light, and does not come to the light, lest his work should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So Jesus tells us his mission statement. Why did he come to earth? He says, first of all, what his mission is not. He says, I, I didn't come to condemn the world. That's not why I came. There were people in Jesus' day that probably wanted him to do that. We need this king. He needs to come and defeat the Romans and kick them out and just utterly, utterly destroy them like some of those great Old Testament stories. They thought a lot like Jonah. If you've ever read the, the whole book of Jonah, not just the little kids' cardboard books that don't tell you the whole story. Jonah gives the shortest sermon on record. You're all going to die. See it? And they freak out. Because he hates these people. They, they want, he wanted them to die. Well, God had other plans. In fact, God's mercy toward the Ninevites made Jonah angry. Just read the whole book. Four, four chapters. Well, there are people that just want God to be vengeful. Jesus says, I didn't come that way. I didn't come just to give you a message of condemnation. God's purpose was concerned. It was, it was unmixed love so that people would be saved. Jesus is correcting those who thought he came to condemn. Condemn means to judge, punish, opposite of saved. It's purely negative. But here's what his mission is that they might be saved through him. That was his intent. That's why I think it's appropriate and right that we do spend time remembering Christmas. And I was, well, you know, it probably happened during the spring. and I, I know. But it's right to remember yearly that Jesus came to earth, born of, of, of the Virgin Mary, human flesh, yet God himself. But his intent was that we could be saved. All that bad sin, all that darkness, he's come to fix it. We have to avoid condemnation by belief. Faith is the qualification. Paul talks about this. Peter talks about this. James talks about this. John the Apostle talk all about it. It is the qualification. It applies to all the people, not just to Jews. He's talking, he didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. So he's not just dealing with those, with the Jews themselves. Condemnation is, is because we are monstrously depraved. And then he explains a little bit more. He says, light has come into the world. If you read through the Gospel of John, you see he uses that word light a lot. And most of the time, if not all the time, it refers to Jesus. He is the light. John calls him the light way back in chapter 1. And since Jesus came, he says there's no longer an ignorance of sin. There now, since he came, it's a deliberate choice. And you're either in the dark or you're in the light. Dark lovers, well, they love the darkness. They, just, they like living in that. They don't want people to see what's going on. They don't want people to see their evil deeds. They hate light. Why do they hate light? Isn't that bring life? No, because they hate it because it's going to expose what they're doing. We're kind of like roaches. Again, another not so complimentary idea. 
but you turn the light on and they scatter. They hide. Light lovers, on the other hand, they do what is true. They're attracted to it. The works of God are revealed in them. So God, God says, look, I'm going to take, I, I'm, I'm concerned for this humanity. It has fallen. It has left me. It has sinned. And it's destined. Every single person is destined for hell. And I don't want that. So I am going to put humanity's need above the need of my son and let him die for humanity's need. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give humanity the priority. Why? Because he's a God of love. But he's also the God of wrath. That's coming. Humanity then said, thanks, but I'm going to take darkness over what you've given me. That's what Jesus has explained here. One group avoids the light so it's not exposed. The other group comes into the light to reveal what God has done to them, done for them. There are only two groups. You could be in the light or you can be in the darkness. There's no dusk. Okay. There's no dawn. There's no, there's no middle way. There's no gray. You're in the darkness or you're not in the darkness. You're in the light or you're not in the light. And they act in conformity to what they know. So God's love and, verse, love and mercy is, is kind of not, not, in, in, not in opposition to his judgments and wrath. They're both there. They're both going to be true for them. Now, I told you at the very beginning, I said we're not going to end or at least give some kind of hope every Sunday knowing that, again, we're all on the naughty list. I read from John 3, starting at verse 17. Did you notice what verse was before that? Okay, John 3, 16. Here's the positive end. Yes, we have an extraordinarily dark, awful sin problem. But God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Good news. You see, Zion, the more I understand, and I don't, I don't like looking inside. I don't like seeing the depth of my sin. And sometimes God reveals that to me. This old wiring, the old, the old man that Paul calls it in Romans. I, yeah, I don't want to understand that. But sometimes I, it's revealed. And I look into that and I go, ew, awful. What am I going to do about that? Then he reminds me of Jesus. So while we see the things that is a, are abhorrent to God, and we see, we, we read that passage from, from Proverbs 6, and again, we'll look at it later in later weeks. When we see those things in our heart, remember there is a Savior. Sin hurts. He redeems. He brings us back to him. He cleanses us. He, he conforms us to the image of his son. So when, as we pray today in our pause and pray time, let's remember that while we have sinned, and maybe this is just your short one sentence prayer, Lord, while I know it says we have sinned, but while I have sinned, you came to redeem me. While sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. It's from Romans 
5. So as we see that darkness in us, there's enough grace. There's more than enough grace. Help us to look, God, realistically and hopefully. Realistically that we live in a sinful, fallen world, but hopefully a Savior has come. Would you pray with me tonight, today, this morning? Yes. Oh, how desperately we need you, Lord. I don't I don't think I understand the depth of my sin. I might drive my car into a tree if I did. But nonetheless, your grace, your blood on that, on that cross, Lord Jesus, is more than enough to cover my sin and everyone's hearers and all over the world and everyone who's ever lived. What an amazing gift. What, what an amazing sacrifice that it is able. It is, it is adequate. It is good to do that. And Lord, your, your love and your wrath are perfectly met for you, Lord Jesus, took the wrath that I deserve. We deserve. And if anyone's saved, it is a testimony to 
your, uh, to your grace and to your mercy. And I don't know how many are going to be in the new heaven and new earth, but uh, Lord, we, we need to be ready to be people telling this good news, to convincing others, to show them that uh, it's, it's not just breaking a rule, it's violating your very character. And so, Lord, why it may cause a temporary pain, I pray that you would show some of our loved ones. Maybe we're thinking of, of, of brothers or sisters or uh, kids or grandparents or parents who don't know you yet, Lord. And, and so, Lord, we ask that you would, at least for a bit, show them the depth of their sin and their guilt. But, Lord, also the good news that you have covered it. Where grace abounds... Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So, Lord, we want to be realistic of our, our moral state, but also, Lord, hopeful. Hopeful not in a wish kind of way, but in a sense that we know, of, uh, we, we know who, on whom we believe. And it's not up to my works, which I'm so glad. It's not up to me. My faith is in you. And so we are grateful, Lord. In your name, amen. Uh, as our worship team comes back up, uh, with just a few announcements. Uh, so we have several families out today, so we might, hopefully won't be too shorthanded, but if you're able to, to join us to decorate, uh, we've got, got a tree and some other things up here. Also some, some uh, decorations downstairs. Uh, so hopefully as you're able to, to join us, many hands make light work. And we'll get our Christmas decorations down and uh, take care of our, our building here. Uh, also, we are collecting donations for the Meckley Shakely. I always say this wrong. Meckley Shakely Veteran Center? Okay. Uh, uh, and so they love coffee. And so if you want to bring uh, uh, coffee products, coffee itself, um, creamers, sugars, cups, uh, they like having cups with lids so they could kind of walk around their, uh, their facility there and not worry about spilling. Uh, stir, stir sticks is another one. And so we'll just collect those every Sunday and then on Christmas Day, we'll deliver all of that to them. Uh, there's a, I mentioned last week, someone brought that uh, big Sam's Club Folgers coffee. They'll go through that in a day. They like their coffee. And so that'll be a way that we can bless them for that. Um, and then also for our plans, if you weren't aware, uh, for Christmas Eve is a Sunday. So we will have our regular family time here on, on 10, 1030 on Christmas Eve, regular worship service. Um, but that evening at 630 is we're really focusing on the gospel presentation. That's a great, I mean, of course, anyone can come any day, any Sunday they want. But that will, will be focused on uh, uh, bringing the good news to maybe someone who needs to hear that themselves. New Year's Eve, we're, still, we're also going to meet. We'll have a, a brief time of worship and, and also some time of prayer together. And then our Polish uh, potluck dinner or lunch uh, as well. We'll give you more information on that. But that's, uh, that's kind of the, our 2024 kickoff time. That is on Christmas Eve as well. Are we ready? All right.